Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, present the VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold on Woody, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They'll give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC Show. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Nothing. I'm excited. This is the, the type of shows I look forward to where there is nothing that we have to talk about. Yes. So who knows where we're going to end up, but I know it's going to be good. Yeah, like we got a little NFL we can get to. We got a little television we can get to, but we're going to start with baseball, much to the shock of many of you people here. Now, I recognize that a lot of you who are listening to this don't watch that much baseball, but you will find this interesting. And Dominique, I saved the information on this for you here because I wanted to get like your natural unfiltered reaction largely as a labor man in sports okay so it's a dude named freddie freeman and those of you who don't watch baseball no he does not look like you think right he looked like a baseball player shall we say (laughs) in this day and age so freddie freeman played for the braves for a very long time right like he's basically was approaching like chipper jones level of the braves pantheon step short of hank aaron before this day a real big deal They just won the World Series, and he was a free agent at the end of the World Series season. He now plays for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers came back, came to Atlanta, and they did the whole ring presentation. And, like, Freddie Freeman is basically Mr. Brave, right? So they gave him the ring. They did the whole thing. He's crying. The fans are giving him all the love and everything else. And after the game, Clayton Kershaw, reporters asked him about it, and he was just like, yeah, you know, uh, We got a pretty special team here, and once Freddie gets comfortable, he'll like it here too, you know? I don't even know if he was being salty about it. I thought that was the nicest way to put it, because it's clear that this dude, Freddie Freeman, wishes he still played for Atlanta. Dominique, this is how it played out. Freddie Freeman apparently has just fired his agents, right? So he signed his big deal with the Dodgers. He seems to want to be with the Braves. He's playing well for the Dodgers, just to be clear, but there's something in the air, obviously. So what had happened was his agent ran this negotiation strategy with the Braves at one point where he handed them two contract offers and said, you got an hour, right? And so when the Braves received those offers and they heard, you got an hour, they were like, damn, they got a deal. Because the, 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 the proposals he put up were a big jump over what the Braves had offered. They're like, damn, he got a deal lined up with somebody else. He probably has it with the Dodgers. So they went and made a trade for a dude named Matt Olson and signed him to a deal that's for eight years, $162 million, which meant that there was no deal left for Freddie. And so they came back and were like, no, thanks. We out. And then a week later, Freddie Freeman signs with the Dodgers. Now, you notice I said a week later, after his agent did the one hour thing, you ain't signed the new deal for a week. Clearly, Freddie didn't want to leave. His agents went a hardball stance and didn't do the math on the possibility that they might go do something like they did. 
And so now Freddie Freeman got a six-year deal with the Dodgers while he want that old thing back. How would you feel in that situation? So if I'm Freddie Freeman, like, yeah, you can fire your agents. That's fine. But you need to learn a lesson from this, which maybe he'll never hit free agency like this again. But the lesson is you need to make it clear your incentives and make it clear your priorities. Because if you bring the Dodgers up or maybe they didn't bring the Dodgers up, but they just knew. Can't nobody compete with that. Like the Yankees. That's it. Boston. Maybe. Other than that, can't nobody compete with that. So once you put that on the table, then they don't have a choice. So if you're telling your agent, which it's it's interesting because the agent are paid off commission, so they don't give a damn where you go. They want you to go to the place where they can get the highest percentage. But if you make it clear to your agent, I want to be here. Like, figure out how I can be here. That should make it clear to them that we ain't playing hardball games. And I'm sure that the uh, the Braves would have understood that and done and figured it out and paid them whatever. But I don't know. It's, it's between two cities. Like, it's normally like something like that. I don't know where Freddie Freeman is from. But normally when you have two cities and a, a player's upset about going to another city, it's because they went to a bad one. Like, this man <laughs> went to a great team in a great city. I don't really know what you got to complain about. Like, I, I don't know. Do he got? Do you got like sick parents that live in Atlanta or something? Like, yo, and hold up, he's from California. Yo, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Like, I thought he was one of those Braves dudes that was also, you know, yeah. from somewhere uh, in Atlanta, somewhere in Georgia, like in that Atlanta area. Now I'm looking at this wiki page. And it says he was born in Fountain Valley, California. His parents are from Canada for what? Oh, he grew up an Angels fan. So maybe he got beef. I don't know. But he is from Southern California and clearly wishes he was still with the Braves. If I'm an agent, like, that's how I want to get fired. <laughs> get By getting you this money? I got my man so much money, he had to fire me. <laughs> like, that, that, I would wear that if I'm an agent. So what it sounds like to me is... The agents just didn't think the Braves would make that trade in an hour. Yeah. Right? He thought that the the Braves would be like, nah, we're not going to do that. Or they would step up just a little bit. And then he would say, okay, cool. Okay, cool. We'll take your deal or whatever it was. Right? Um, and I'm pretty sure there was, there was a gap. Right? But a lot of the salary the Dodgers are paying is deferred. And so there's real questions as to whether or not the total value of the deal he ultimately signed is actually going to prove to be the value of the deal that the Braves had offered. Just all of this. I'm just looking at it from Freddie's standpoint and being like, so when are you going to be able to let this go? Like, I'm not judging him for the fact that he hadn't been able to let it go yet or he might not be able to let it go. But for his own sake, I hope he is going to be able to let that go. Because otherwise, man, you just can't be miserable in that. Yeah. The um, One thing about the agent thing that this makes me think about is something I learned later in my career. And it, maybe it's different in other sports, but I think we've talked about this before. That the agents have great... like I think we, we think of agents as being the opposition of general managers and teams. Eh... Uh, like agents have clients for somewhere between four to 10 years and not many of them. They work with these teams and these general managers for their entire careers. So while you think that your agent might be doing these hardball tactics, this is what's happened in this case. Apparently they are doing hardball tactics. Why do you think your agent out here doing hardball tactics? 
That ain't what he doing most of the time. He calling up his homeboys and like, what you got? We got this. I got a guy. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. How much money? And they're, they're like wheeling and dealing. They are collaborating, frankly. And normally I would think about that as like, nah, I don't want an agent who out here collaborating. I want an agent who are going punch him in the face and give me my money. But in this situation, that's why you want an agent who's collaborating. Because your agent will go to them and say, he wants to be here. Let's figure out this money. This is where he wants to be. And he don't have to pull this foolishness. That I'm sorry. I, I let you go in a second. But like, I actually had a lot of experience like negotiating and read books and done taking classes and like really appreciate and understand negotiations. And most of the time, people think of negotiations. I think the fault of many people who get in negotiations is they think of negotiations as these type of bullshit tactics. That ain't negotiations. That's like good for TV or whatever. It makes you feel tough. Like negotiations is about the amount of leverage that you can create, which is based on your best alternative. If you have a legitimate alternative. Um, and in this case, it seemed like they had an alternative. that was a little too damn legitimate because the Braves like, oh, we lost this negotiation. Let's go find somebody else. Yeah, like the thing about your agent playing hardball is you are the hardball, right? Like, they can only really play hardball based on how much juice is on your fastball. So, you can play hardball when you scout boards and you're out here representing these dudes at the top of the market, right? Like, you can play that game. And I guess these agents felt like they had Freddie Freeman. Like, Freddie Freeman got a legitimate chance of being a Hall of Famer, right? Like, they felt like they had that kind of player and he meant so much to the Braves that I guess he thought that, you know, they could go ahead and figure that thing out. But what he didn't do the math on is the Braves are like, we mean so much to him. Like, we we recognize that part. And, hey, why, watch how this go. And now Freddie Freeman over there with the Dodgers and his whole team just looking over like, dog, man, you're going to have to let the, you're going you're gonna to have to move on, bro. <laughs> she don't want you no more. <laughs> Except I think they do want him. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't think. Other than the Dodgers, who, by the way, are getting a very productive Freddie Freeman right now. I just don't think that anybody is happy with the way that it ended. And that's kind of the worst thing about this story. When I look at it is, who's the winner? And I can't find one. Yeah, his contract is, is big. What I, I see 162 over six. That's a nice yeah. contract. I don't know what that compares to their replace, the replacement he got there. Because that would be the question to me. It's like, how much money is he gaining by going to a place that he doesn't want to be? And is it worth it? Most of the time when you talk about this type of money, it ain't never worth it. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure they were going to give him at least 130, 110, 120. That the Delta there is not worth it to go to somewhere that you don't want to be, I, I would say. Yeah. Then also you monitor with the thing when the MLBPA gets involved, because you know this, yeah. they are not letting nobody take less money unless they got one hell of a reason. They're like, yo, all boats, rising tide, dig, dig, dig. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm confused with your man James Harden right now out here <laughs> taking less to well, try to win again. Well, well, he's kind of taking less, right? Like what he's doing is he's getting more on the long run, parlaying this quick, you know, this player option into maybe he winds up getting some sort of longer deal, right? Like as much as it could be, oh, we're helping them win. Yeah, that too. But in reality, he's in a situation where I think he knows he can make the 47 this year. I don't know what waiting on him next year if he come out there looking anything like he did at the end of the last season, right? I guess my my assumption back when they made the trade 
And now, because they made the trade, that James Harden had the leverage to force them to give him a max deal because they traded away Ben Simmons. So from all the things that I've heard, he's not going to get a max deal. So, like, that's my point. It's like, he could have used the leverage that he had because what are they going to do? They're going to let him walk in free agency and then they got absolutely nothing for Ben Simmons and well, Seth Curry? Well, for what it's worth, you weren't getting anything for Ben Simmons anyway, so I wouldn't be. So, <laughs> I, 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 I think that would have been fair. an addition by subtraction situation. That's I'm fair. not sure they wouldn't have been worth, better off letting James Harden go away, right? But I did not think he, I never thought he had the leverage for the max after he played so badly. Right. Like after he went out and he did that, he didn't have the leverage for the max because he wasn't going to be able to get anybody else to give it to him. And so I think the Sixers knew, hey, man, we could throw you back out here in the water and maybe you go find somebody that's willing to give you the money that you want. But I also don't think you want to keep bouncing around. Right. Like I'm Daryl Morey. You know me, dog. Right. Like, you, you know what I you know what I got. We got a thing here. I think we're going to go ahead and figure this thing out and move. But one thing I think is going to be good about this NBA season, with the exception of what's going on with the Nets, and none of us have any idea. Like by the, We are recording this on Thursday morning. By the time y'all hear this on Friday, the whole Nets might not have no team, right? For all I know, they might move to Shanghai. I got no clue what it is they ultimately might do. But, 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 it's looking like an offseason where all the players who matter are going to be on the teams they were on last year. Like, we're going to have a level of continuity going from season to season, and not a lot of guys that we're really sitting around thinking so hard about whether they're going to leave. So, like, yeah, like, Brad Beal might leave. Brad Beal don't matter. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that people look up and realize, wow, it's been 10 years. Brad Beal doesn't matter. Not that he's not a good player, right? Not that he can't get you 30 points a game, but I don't feel like he matters. Jalen Brunson may be going to the Knicks, Really, who cares other than not New York, but the Knicks? Like, the streets ain't out here like, yo, we about to get Jalen, right? No, nobody nobody cares. So for this league that I think has had its problems with making people bounce around a little too much, figure out what's going on, I think it's going to be real good for them that all these guys wind up staying in the same places. Although we don't know what's going to happen with the Nets. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a proponent of player freedom and player power. But as I mean, from a union standpoint or whatever, and, and a former player standpoint, but from a fan, like, yeah, I, I like to get to know teams. I like players in the same places. Like, I can't deny that all the movement gives us something to talk about in offseason. It makes the NBA fun in the offseason, but it don't make me want to watch more games. A rematch? A rematch or teams that went at it the last three years in a row, a rivalry game. They got into a little a little scuffle three years ago and they meeting in the playoffs again or they meeting on Christmas Day. Like, yeah, I'm gonna turn that on much more than I'm gonna turn on. Uh he went there, he went there, he went there. Let's see how it works out. Like that's gonna get me to turn it on. And I like dominance. Like that to me is fun. When a team is I mean, dominance may not be the wrong word, but like excellence. Yeah. When a team is excellent for a long time. I want to tune in to see that. So I, I absolutely think that this is probably going to be better for the sport. I do have to push back a little bit on the Brad Bill don't matter. Brad Bill don't matter unless he goes to a team that matters. Because I think he's good enough to significantly improve somebody's championship chances depending on the roster he joins. Yeah, I guess I look at Brad Bill as what do you do? Score. Yeah. What else? Score. Yeah. If all I feel like I'm getting out of you is scoring, like it'll be like if Brad Beal, say Brad Beal were to land on the Lakers, for example, 
oh, okay, that can matter, right? But a set of circumstances have to come together for Brad Beal to matter. But it's not like Brad yeah. Beal is going to land wherever he lands, and now that's a team yeah. that we got to pay attention to. You know, like a lot, a lot has to go right in order for him to be a guy who matters. But it's not like Brad Beal has altered, like where Brad Beal goes changes the power dynamics of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Nah, nah, nah. That's what I mean. In in that way, he's not that guy. But like next year, I think it's going to be interesting because even without the level of like free agent mobility, we are going to have things like the Clippers get Kawhi Leonard back. The Nuggets get Jamal Murray and presumably Michael Porter back. Um, You know what I mean? Like we go have some of these where it's like, oh, you forgot that that thing had happened. Oh, but watch this. Now this is going to come back around a little bit. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Michael Porter is so damn good. Yes. Like I, I sometimes I forget because he don't play much or his excellent ability is overshadowed by some other foolishness that he is saying or doing. But like if he could ever stay healthy and like I don't know him personally but what I hear is like some of the the mental portions of the game suggests that he needs to focus a little more, I guess is mm-hmm. the nicest way I can put it. Like, man, I know it's easy for me to say at, at five eleven <laughs> and, <laughs> and busted knees and hips, but damn, if, if he like their championship contender for real, if he can get to the place, like he's to me at least. And again, not a, a NBA scout, but at his very damn best, I think he's like top 25 in the league. Honestly. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah, potential okay. is there. I'm right there with you on every single part of it. Like, I want Denver to be really good so bad, right? Because I love watching Jokic. Porter is banana. I remember Porter's one of those guys that was number one player in America. One of those, you hire his daddy in order to yeah. bring him on. The dude had a busted back and still got drafted in the top 15, right? And this is after he was tanking his draft stock with as many teams as he could because he didn't want to like go play for them. He's that guy if he can get it right. And so if Murray can come back off the ACL, which presumably he can, it's not a, yeah. at his age especially, it's not a death sentence injury. Like if he comes back and they get the Porter thing going while they got my man down there making it happen, I don't necessarily know who they going to guard, which is the biggest issue. But I just need Michael Porter to get it together just so we can see what that can be because it could be kind of incredible. And I would like to note, that if Kevin Durant, for whatever reason, decided that he did not want to play for Brooklyn anymore, I always feel like Denver's a team that could put together some form of package. And if they did, can you imagine if you had Kevin Durant and Jokic on the same squad? I know Kevin Durant would like living in Denver. I know he would. I would. I lived in Denver for um, three years, and it was back in the day before things changed Mm -hmm. in the laws. And it was outstanding. The thing about Denver is... It's not a coastal city, but it is to all the states around it. Yes. <laughs> so, like, you know how all the best people or all the most talented and most attractive people, like, find their ways, their self to a, the local big city? Mm-hmm. That's true of Denver, too. But it's just of all the states around it, and they just all come flock to Denver. So Denver's not enormous, but it's it got a nice little nightlife. You get to shop on a little bit, and they got 300 days of sunshine. The wild thing about Denver is you will have a three-foot snowstorm one day, and it's all gone by the next <laughs> morning. The sun just gets it up and get out of there. You might have an 80-degree day in the middle of November, then the next day be 14. But, yeah, Denver would be nice, KD. Go do that. Other thing about Denver, Denver got like the warmest 65 degrees I've ever felt. Like I went to a concert in the summer 
and at Red Rocks. Oh. And I didn't check the weather. And I was like, oh, damn, it's going to be like 62 degrees at night. I'm out there in a T-shirt and shorts. No issue. No issue at all. <laughs> and, I, and I get cold, you yeah. know? I can't explain it if it's about the altitude or, or, or what. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I love Denver. So, yeah, KD or anybody else who want to go there and make it so we can see Jokic play in June, go ahead and, and make that happen. Here for it. Like, totally, 100% here for it. On the, um, the last episode you guys did, you guys talked a little bit about beef, and I, I couldn't help but um, like put myself in the situation because, I mean, very mild beef that I had with Steph Curry. It's not, I mean, I don't even call it beef. Oh, like, oh yeah, just, that's right. We have not we talked, talked about, about this right here, have we? <laughs> we have not talked about the zeros. You let them, you let them get you hyped up. That's what that <laughs> looked like. I can tell everybody got a little carried away. I have been uncomfortable before. Like when um when Poyer, the safety for the Bills, came after me after I said some stuff about the Bills fans. Like I was a little bit uncomfortable with that. Steph Curry thing was a celebration for me. I woke up the next morning and Steph Curry calling me out, Draymond calling me out on his podcast about basketball-related things. Like, that to me was not annoying. That was pretty fun. It's pretty cool. I don't have no regrets about that whatsoever. It was pretty fun. And to the the funniest thing is I don't do a, bu- a whole lot of tweeting anymore. Like, sometimes I'll go, like, a Twitter storm when I'm watching something. But generally, I read, I don't participate, so I don't get much replies. I got a lot of replies after that. And y'all crazy, man. Y'all, like, I appreciate that y'all are crazy because that's the reason why we can do this. Like, that's the reason why I could play football because y'all crazy. And the reason why I could talk about football is because y'all crazy. But, like, it seemed very clear to me that Steph Curry was not actually offended, that he was just talking trash. And it was, like, fun. And he and he dunked on me because he got a championship and he and more power to him. I was happy for him. Like, it was great. Like, I didn't have a problem with it. But some of y'all got your identity tied up in this to a degree that is not healthy. To the point where you come <laughs> into me calling me all types of uh, names and demanding I apologize. For what? For making a completely reasonable take at the time? It, uh, even if it was unreasonable. For doubting Steph Curry? He needs more people to believe in him. <laughs> like the, all of Oakland and San Francisco believes in him. His beautiful mother and beautiful father believe in him. His wife and children believe in him. Y'all believe in him. Why? Marcus Spears in that damn in that very damn segment believed in him. Why do y'all think I owe this man an apology for giving a very a, a take by by the way that everyone would have agreed with before the playoffs started this year? But all of a sudden, because I made an O around my eye, I make I owe Steph Curry an apology. Y'all first of all, crazy. first of all, play the music right fast. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is fifteen seconds. Yeah.
yeah, I, I know you. I, I, you know, I don't know if you realize you did that. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to, just wanted to uh, make that point. But yeah, no, nah, you, the, I demand you apologize. People are the wildest. Like, like if I say something personal, then yeah, I need to apologize for it, right? Like you saw Draymond apologize for calling Kendrick Perkins, a, right? Like, like that's something that you apologize for. I thought this thing and it did not happen is not i told you about this before man all these people get so offended by somebody doubting them who the fuck are you right like who are you that you are above being doubted how dare somebody doubt me you mad that somebody doubting you because you doubt yourself every day and you, that, that's the reason why that hits you is they saying the same things that you say into yourself okay cool uh but with steph especially because he's like everybody's little brother to a degree. So it's almost like everybody feels like they got to come out here and they got to ride for him. And no compliment that you give him is ever good enough. But a lot of things also, like they won the championship and that's how it goes. But a lot of things had to break right in order for that to happen, right? They were not this unstoppable juggernaut in the course of the postseason. Um, they won a title and they deserve the title and everything else. But no, nah, man, wasn't nothing insulting about thinking two, three years ago, that this was not going to go down. There was there was nothing there. But now nah, people, I think people love the idea of having the upper hand on the, the people who are the so-called experts, right? Like we see a nationwide pushback against expertise. We are proxies for expertise. And so when we don't get it right, you get all these people. But you're right, boy, I could all, they was, and it was you. Like, it wasn't like you was the only one with a zero up there. I felt like you took the brunt for, you, you took it for the whole team. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't get. It. I think that you're right about the pushing back on experts and uh, the. And I don't even mind when fans like dunk on me or try to like because I'm wrong. Like it's all in good fun. Like when I play video games with my friends or play basketball with my friends. I, though these people aren't my friends, like we got some sort of relationship. I talk trash to them and it's playful. At no point do I call them MFers and demand that they apologize <laughs> to me because they thought they could score more FIFA goals than I could. Like to me, it's just such a, an outrageous leap. And I think when we do this stuff as much as we do, we're going to get things wrong. And also we're occasionally going to go too far. And when we do that, I 100% am in favor of apologizing because you, you've gone too far. But when you just was wrong, like, what am I saying? Sorry. I don't know. It, it, it confused yeah. the hell out of me. It doesn't bother me. It's just like the level of anger that they have towards so-called experts, as they call us, is um, just concerning. <laughs> it's concerning. Yeah. But, I'm, but I tell you this, boy, I come back at you regular. Where are you now? When some of these things happen, I've told you the story about that time the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and that dude tried to say something slick to me at Big Pink in Miami. And I stopped and I told him and I was like, yeah, they gonna break your heart like they always break your heart. And then they broke his heart and I ain't heard from that dude yet. He got access to me, I'm sure. Not one time has he said anything to me about damn Bomani, you tried to help me or whatever it is, but I'll come find you. Like them Lakers fans, when the Lakers won that championship, and they came for me. Okay. I gave them a little back. But I ain't gonna lie. I don't know if you saw this. The other day, I had to go find this. It didn't come up incidentally. I went and looked for it. There, there was a quote when they started last season at one of the press availabilities. And it asked LeBron about making it work with Russell Westbrook. And he was like, I always do. And I was like, well, did you make it work with your homeboy when you had to trade him back to Miami? You remember that? And people were like, 
well, that Dwayne Wade, that wasn't the same as Russell Westbrook now. And I said, Russell Westbrook is better in the box score than he is on the court. And you're going to find that out. And then you saw how everything went this year with Russell Westbrook. Because all them people just swore I'm a Laker hater and da, da, da. Where are you now? <laughs> right? A whole lot of a whole lot of them and everything and all. You just hate LeBron, which is so wild to me that they think this. But all that, where are you now? Like on those, when I'm willing to go stand, that's the thing. When I'm willing to go stand out on a ledge on this one, right? I'll take the risk and get it right. Oh no, I'm coming to demand some props <laughs> from not everybody, yeah. specific people. <laughs> I um I got to give some credit to the Dolphins fans because they are, in my view, the most sensitive fan base in football right now. But I came after them back when they were tanking and Dolphins fans filled up my mentions with all type of hate. And then all those reports came out that the owner was allegedly paying the coach to um drop games. My mentions, they weren't as full as the first time, but I had some Dolphins fans in there like, you was right. <laughs> a full fan base was like oh yeah what you said a couple years ago my bad chief <laughs> <laughs> but like i am somewhat amazed that the steph curries of the world are in a position to pay so much attention to all of this stuff like with durant what made it so wild is just famously he listens to like all the podcasts like podcasts that regular people do like we're not talking about a podcast like this you know produced by a major outlet we're just talking about like we some dudes talking about the warriors we put this out twice a week right he was the dude that was listening uh to that one like when the steph stuff came up at the time he said the tweet he said some like system player tweets right like he walked past biddy say some stuff about that i am actually relatively amazed that those things were to get to him like if i was saying that stuff on around the horn or something I wouldn't be terribly surprised by that. But I am amazed at the level of consumption that a lot of these dudes do. And I say this to somebody who keeps up on the things that people say about me. Like, Jana Rose made a good point where he was like, yeah, I search my name on Twitter because it is my business to know what people say about me, right? There's legitimately something to that. But Steph Curry's operating on a completely different scope when it comes to this. But they find it, man. They see it. And I guess me as a person who's not driven by slights, that just doesn't seem like the way that I would kick it if I were there at that place. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that they have a choice. <laughs> you know, like, if they are as addicted to social media as I think, frankly, most of us are, <laughs> and when you get on there and they are as in love with themselves as most of us are with ourselves, what else you going to look at? <laughs> what else you going to listen to? I, yeah, I, 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 it's surprising when you look at the picture, when you take a step back and you look at the picture. But it's not surprising if you actually like put yourself in those shoes, because I think that a lot of people who are listening to this right now would say the same thing to you. Like, but Marty Jones, what are you doing? Checking to see what people say about you. And I understand you say that it's what people say about you is is partially your business. But I think Steph could argue the same thing. Well, so I'll tell you what it is on my end. This is something that really happened a couple of months ago. This is back right when I was coming out of my hiatus of sorts that hopefully I will resume soon now that the season's over. I did a hit on CNN with Don Lemon, and he annoyed me with this, but he asked me a question. I think this was after I had done that clip with Dan where they're like, yo, so, you know, basically what needs to change or something about, you know, to fix race. I was like, white people, you know? And those people 
got a hold of it, clipped it without the context. It starts bouncing all around, all of those things. Okay. I don't know that this happened if I don't periodically check. So I am on CNN and Don Lemon is like, yeah, so apparently, you know, you're getting into this thing for saying that white people are the problem. I'd have been up there like, I have no idea what it is that you're talking about right now, right? It's like posts and things like that, like things that people put up that can then go around, they can get to the boss or whatever it is. Like, those are the things. Like, when I was early in the game, it was kind of necessary because it'd be people like, yo, what's Bomani Jones's Twitter? Okay, cool. I can fix that problem. Like, I can direct you to it. Like, I'm not there looking to get a hold or like to fill up my ego or to see who these people are that hate me because honestly, so much of it is just bots, right? Like, so much of it is people that don't have actual accounts. But with Steph, I can go through with my own eyes and see everything everybody sends to me in a given point, given day. That is impossible for people on that level. Like, so for me, it's less about me questioning them doing it because of like the act itself, as much as it seems to be really unwieldy. (laughs) Yeah, I started seeing. So the clip that I was in with the zero goggles was before the season started, like during the summer sometime. I don't know. Whenever Stephen A take a break and mm-hmm. and uh the b team come out there and uh, <laughs> eat up some innings i'm doing that again in july coming up here soon but anyway it was during one of those times and it didn't get much attention back then but i guess somebody in like the golden state universes was looking for haters towards the early part of the playoffs so i started i saw it start bubbling back up when they started like winning playoff games and people would put him out like, wait, you just wait a couple of weeks. And so I assume that that's how it gets to their attention. It's like the certain stuff that people grab and bubble up. Cause I, I have n- no reason to believe that last off season, Steph Curry was watching first take and, <laughs> and took a note and was like, I'm going to run a couple extra suicides. I'm going to do some more shooting drills because he made a circle around his eyes. Like it's absurd to me. No, what we have learned is everything is like high school, right? That's number one. Everything is like high school. Number two, Twitter is the cafeteria. And number three, the cafeteria, as we've all known, is full of instigators. That is what we do. Instigators. That, that's, that's what it's all about. And these herbs are just full on instigators at every turn, just trying to like, you know how I feel about the snitch tag, right? Like when the people decide they going to, you know, have this back and forth with you and they going to put this other person in it and I just block them all immediately, right? Because I don't believe in what you stand for. So it is just all instigators just trying to find a way to make this thing crack. Herbs, all of you are herbs like you are pathetic i need you to understand and recognize that especially since you ain't all teenagers a lot of y'all are actual real live grown-ups and when i send in people your way you'll put your account with the lock on it because you don't want them problems i remember like it was a couple years ago uh, there was this hp commercial like computer commercial that was playing during nfl games and it was like a teacher who was rapping his bars was weak. So I like made a little joke about it. Somebody added this man. And then, and then I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. Like I, it, it, this shit was whack, but I mean, I understood like the company probably ain't want you put your hottest stuff out there. I feel you, whatever. But like, it was just uncomfortable and weird. It was like, what'd you do that for? 
Like you didn't improve anything. You just hurt this man's feelings. That's I'm exactly the time. part that I was gonna say. Yeah. You're just hurting these people's feelings, <laughs> right? Like, like why are you putting them in that position? Why are you asking? Like, why are you do why are y'all like this? That's all I'm trying to figure out is why are y'all like this? They are um I think the to Draymond's point generally is like media is changing, which I'm not sure it is true. I actually not. I'm not sure it's true. I don't think it is that much. Like he has become all media faster than anybody can believe. Like he's doing all the stuff, including calling P- Kendrick Perkins names, all the things that he like complains about old media doing. He is now doing like he hops in and he says things that, that you said, frankly, it was like, he came out. It was like, yeah, Steph, he couldn't get a basket anytime he needed it. Like you do it, all you doing is 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 old media stuff, and the only difference between you and any of us is that you are on the floor every now and then. But the content that he's producing or providing is the same as what we're making, just from a different perspective. Like it's nothing oh, new about it. My man Nick has been killing him. He made a great point about this. He was like, "Oh, Traymond's having to go back and recycle old stuff. It's like he's getting in here and realizing this job is a bit harder than you thought it was." Like, like that's. That's a big part of it. Like, if you decide that you're going to do this, and I think you saw this too, like when you get into the five-day-a-week part of this, cranking out this content and being able to have an eye for what makes for better content, it ain't necessarily easy, and you got to have angles, and you got to have levels. And so Nick was just like, hey, man, you out here back to talking about the same stuff, right? Like, you're going back to the same beats. Yeah, doing this isn't as easy as it looks. Like, you're looking like old media Right now. And I think Draymond's a dude that like is ultimately going to get good at this and figure it out, you know, because he ultimately wants to. But he's really into this podcast that he has. He really, really likes it. And I can't see how that doesn't ultimately turn into a problem, especially as his play continues to decline, which there's no reason to think that it won't continue to decline as it has been declining for six years. Yeah. To break a paradigm is what he, or I mean, he's suggesting that he and I guess Kevin Durant, other guys who like have podcasts while they're doing are like breaking the paradigm, which I don't think that they are. But in order to do that, you got to be like really special or like way ahead of a curve or anticipate some sort of shift in in uh, the environment that no one else anticipated. Otherwise, like the gears of the machine are going to make you fit the machine more than you're going to break the machine. So like, if you do this every day, yeah. And and nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with like conforming and being your version. You could be successful doing that, but I'm still waiting for the new part. And there is some value that we can't provide because he is so close to it. Like that's true. But being so close to like, there's a, there's a pro and a con to everything, I think. It's something that I always try to remember. Whenever something good happens, like, there is going to be a price that someone has to pay. And the pro of us getting that close is that the coverage is going to be biased. <laughs> and we can give, and people like us can give, a different perspective that is unbiased. But fundamentally, what he's doing, it's cool because he walks right. I mean, I can't I can't argue that it's not cool to walk right off the playoff floor and then do a podcast. Like, yeah. That's interesting, but it ain't different. It ain't brand no. new. It's just that no. other people were watching the game. You played in it. You ain't doing nothing that's special. Nah, and here's what they going to learn, too. They going to get a lot more respect for Chuck. Chuck Chuck is the one dude that's just like, yeah, I came in the game better than all them dudes. Because I think the Draymond looks at this like, I'm going to come in. I, 
I don't blame these guys necessarily because I didn't fully understand this industry and this job until I got into it and started doing it more. But hey, man, these cats that do this, by and large, are really, really good at this. Really, really good. And I think it's a few of them dudes that be out here like, yeah, well, I got a degree in journalism. Okay, if I go get a degree in basketball, that don't mean I'm about to be out here playing in the NBA. You know, like this, the levels that they trying to compete at, they trying to compete with what is in effect the NBA. And I wish them the best, right? There's no reason for me to want. And I and I personally, like working at this company, I love seeing it when the former athletes come in and watching cats get better, right? Like all those NFL live folks, like I really enjoy watching it being like, yo, they in there, perk. Perk has gotten so much better in like the last two years. Like I really like watching dudes and I'll, and most of them like with Perk, I know the NFL lives dudes like Perk, I don't know. But like I legitimately like watching somebody that I know takes this seriously and gets better and gets better and gets better. And I wonder when Draymond, who seems to be a guy that always wants to get better, he going to figure that out. He going to get to August and be like, damn, what exactly is it that I'm supposed to be over here talking about? Because that's how we feel. <laughs> You'll be calling up your celebrity friends. Yeah. <laughs> the um the point you make it about so like I if we are being critical of them, like I'm completely fine with people also in them being critical of us. Like that does not make me uncomfortable. But the point that you're making is interesting. The same way that like I don't understand all the nuances of post footwork or whatever. And I may not be able to break down all the lapses in defense that are happening. Like the same, I'm not arguing that what we're doing is as difficult, but like I did not appreciate, and we've talked about this before. I did not appreciate how freaking talented Stephen A is until I actually like worked with him, not even watched him. Watching him now, I can appreciate things, but working with him and understanding like the musicality of what he does for lack of a better phrase is like understanding the way that he, and this is, it's not even the takes aside, the insight aside, the relationships aside, the ability to make something sound good and be engaging all based on facial expressions, um, pregnant pauses, cadence and all that. Like, because I think that in being critical of myself, I focus so much more on let me get all this information out that is such a mistake I, I catch myself doing this all the time where I'm like making two and three points in one go which is like that ain't what they here for they here for one good entertaining point let somebody else talk right <laughs> break that thing down to death like in a similar vein on that because you know he gets on there with Chris Russo on Wednesdays and I admit I have like, I don't know if I want to call it head trash or Russo, but there are things with me or Russo that are not his fault. Like, for example, let me try to get on TV or the radio sounding like that and think anybody going to treat me as an expert anywhere. That's not Chris Russo's fault. You know what I'm saying? However, it's hard for me to not think that sometimes when I see him. But watching him on Wednesdays with Stephen A, and sometimes they just get a little louder than I would personally prefer. But I get it now with Russo, right? Like, I didn't quite grasp and understand what it is. Like, no, 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 this dude's really good at this, right? It's a different kind of really good, right? Like, it's expertise that doesn't sound like it's expertise in this crazy historical knowledge, but it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here, right? And I think that the more you do this job, a big part of it that you recognize is it don't matter who's your favorite. That's not the measure of who's good at this. Like, Colin Coward is not my favorite host, but there are not many that are better good luck finding somebody that's better than him, right? I could give you a list of criticisms, but you ain't gonna find a whole lot of people 
that's like better at this. And I do think that, I mean, I think a lot of those cats look at this like, oh, I'm just going to get in this and this is going to be easy money. Nah, man, we be grinding, dog. And like, I'm not saying this like it's the hardest job in the world, but I am saying that if I ask most people to get up here and do six minutes by themselves, they couldn't do it. And I'm not saying that snidely. I'm just telling you, doing six minutes is hard. Yeah, I think um, you see it happen when like big stars try to hand at this. Most of them fail, <laughs> you know, like it, it takes a little something. I, to me, at least, it's not a coincidence that uh, the former players who seem to be most successful at this are not stars. Like they're guys who like, frankly, had to get it out the mud at every step of the way. And they and they're completely comfortable with like, oh, man, I, I could get cut. Whereas like other guys just show up and be like your name going to get that attention at first. But after that, you better say something and, and say it in a way that people care about. Yeah, no, no. ESPN started focusing more on guys who would like their kids to stay in private school. <laughs> um, and and a couple, ba- you know, they 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 go like this. Yeah. This is what's doing it. Yeah. This is what's going. If I just say they mess around and don't get that contract renewal, and next thing you know, they at Abraham Lincoln High School, and that was not the dream they were sold. No, it was not. But that is Dominique Foxworth. Check him out on Get Up. Check him out on Debatable. Check him out at Anscape. Anywhere else I want other people need to go check you out? Um, nah, I'm good. I got, I, I don't know. I got some news for him at, at some point real soon. I don't know. Ooh, I don't ooh, know ooh, when. Ooh, when we get to tell him. I can't, okay, you yeah, don't know when. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's, I feel like it's going to happen, but I don't want to be putting people in a bad spot. So I'm going to tell yeah, him yeah. when I know it's, when I know it's actually happening. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell the people now. When he tell you, it's the ball. Like, I, I've been crazy excited about this myself, and I cannot wait for us being able to share the bomb with people. But that check him out. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching on YouTube. We do this three times a week. Remember, we'll be back July 11th with The Right Time Book Club. We're going to wrap up King of the World by David Remnick, the author himself, will be joining us. Also, my bad, I forgot to tell you last week we weren't having Phosphor Friday this week, so this week I would be better. Monday is the 4th of July. We taking a holiday. If your greedy asses don't shut up right now, if you hit me on Monday, yo, where the podcast today? You know what's about to happen. Why you ain't at a barbecue? Okay, just letting you know that in advance. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. What you got, Dominique? You seem like you got something. Tell David the book is outstanding. Yes. Oh, yes. man. I, did, I mean, I knew about Ali, but I mean, the first chapter alone is oh, freaking yeah. incredible. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Rate us. Review us. Like Dominique Foster, race king of the world. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Talk to you guys in a few days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.